1: Mm-hmm, that's right Yes, finally We are at the end of The Maze Runner Mmm. hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books The podcast where we have finally fucking finished The Maze Runner Oh, it feels like Christmas Day Oh yeah Uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh Oh, today we're looking at the last few chapters 59 60 61 62 And the epilogue Ah, 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 ah. Yeah Oh, finally Alright, that's enough That's right, I thought... (laughs) i <laughs> do a different intro song uh, for this very special episode of Breaking Down Bad Books because it's the end of the Maze Runner. Praise be. No more shankin' shucks for me. Ah, oh, a weight is off my shoulders. Let's get into it. So where we left off, we had the big battle and then they went down a little slippery dip. <laughs> so they, escaped through the griever- they escaped through the griever hole punched in the code, pressed push, which was apparently a wildly unexpected thing that they had to do. And um, they pushed a button crazy. And then they went down a little slide and now they're in a room with the creators. And so there's a deathly silence in the air as all of the gladers are looking at the creators and the creators are looking at the gladers. I feel like the creators should have seen this coming because they were watching the whole thing upstairs. So I don't know why they're shocked. Well, maybe they're not shocked, but they're certainly not happy or relieved or excited because it says none of them wore any kind of discernible facial expression. They were all sallow and gaunt, miserably sad to look upon. ah! Oh. Oh, it's been a real treat for the creators, I guess. They're probably disappointed that their subjects took two years to get out of the maze and a lot of hints and help. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's why they're upset. And Chuck who's still alive, he says, who are these people? And Mina goes, they're the creators. And then he says, I'm going to break your faces. (laughs) And yet they're all just still standing around, not doing anything. And Thomas is like, what are they waiting for? What are we waiting for? What's going on? And Newt says, they've probably revved the Grievers back up. They're probably coming right at us. The Grievers just going to go down the slippery dip as well. But then a low, slow beeping sound cut him off. And it came from everywhere, booming and echoing throughout the chamber. And Chuck's like, what now? Chuck's like, oh, it's not one thing, it's the other. And Thomas is like, don't look at me. I don't know what the hell to do. But then everyone starts looking in at one of the doors because it's opening. And then two people walk into the room. One was a woman, an adult female, and she's wearing a lab coat. And it says WICKED in blue capital letters on the pocket. Although- (laughs) In the text, it's not in capital letters. It just says wicked lowercase. For someone who's so fond of a fucking uppercase, here he is spelling it out in lowercase, but telling us it's in capital letters instead of showing us it's in capital letters. I mean, that just infuriates me though. And like, we already know it's an acronym. So, oh my God, okay. So, her name's Wicked. And Thomas is like, oh, I think I know her, but it's a cloudy kind of recollection. He couldn't remember her name. It's wicked. Or what she had to do with the maze, but she seemed familiar. Yeah, I thought you went through the changing and you had your memories, but I guess not. And the other person next to her is some boy wearing an overly large hoodie, concealing his face. And so the woman says, welcome back over two years and so few dead. Amazing. It's like, yeah, well, you cheated by sending two telepathic twins upstairs. Like, (laughs) oh, you guys did so well. You helped. It was hardly an impartial experiment. And she says, everything has gone according to plan, Mr. Newton. She talks to Newt. Although we expected a few more of you to give up along the way. Everything went according to plan. Everything? And then she looks over at her companion and she pulls the hood off of the boy. (gasps) oh my God, everyone freaks out because it's Gally. And then Thomas blinked and rubbed his eyes like something out of a cartoon, which I think I've made fun of before. And he's like, what? And he goes, it was Gally, which was just told to us. So it's just on repeat. It was Gally. And Mina goes, what's he doing here? (laughs) I don't know. Gally got out of the maze somehow. Good for him. Did he get taken by a graver or did he just escape from the maze? I don't know, but- Apparently Gally is super smart and he could out of the maze before everyone else without fighting gravers grievers and dying. So good for Galley. And the woman says, calm down. You're safe now. Be at ease. And Minnow goes, be at ease. Who are you telling us to be at ease? We want to see the police, the mayor, the president. <laughs> I don't know if these people still exist, Minnow. I don't know. And she says, you have no idea what you're talking about, boy. I'd expect more maturity from someone who'd passed the maze trials. Okay, well, maybe don't put actual boys into the trials if you want them to be mature men. Put an adult in the trials then. And Newt says, Gally, what's wrong? But he looks weird and he doesn't respond. And Thomas goes, oh, something's off with him. (laughs) Like, okay, what else is new? It's like they forget that their minds have been wiped and messed with consistently. Because they're always shocked when someone else exhibits evidence of their minds being controlled. It's always a shock. I, uh, ah, okay, so what a flop. I, I, I was really expecting a nice big confrontation, but now it's just some old lady being like, oh, hey, guys. <laughs> like, thrilling stuff. Oh, James, I don't know how you came up with this. Overwhelming conclusion. Oh, wow. And she says, one day you'll all be grateful for what we've done. I can only promise this and trust your minds to accept it. If you don't, then the whole thing was a mistake. Dark times, dark times. But then she goes, but there is of course one final variable. What, why, why? What is this maze for? What is the test for? None of it makes sense. And so then she steps aside and there's Gally and he's all twitchy and he's still not speaking. And he's trembling. And Thomas is like, galley, trying to suppress the complete hatred he had for him. (laughs) Trying. Failing, but trying. And then he says, They're controlling me. I don't I I have to. uh, uh, Uh-uh. So yeah, he's being controlled by them. Like, okay. We've all figured that out. It takes Thomas a little bit longer, because Thomas is like, wow, this is sort of similar to when Albie tried to choke himself in his bed when he went through the changing. Huh, interesting. It seems like Galley's also being controlled, like he just told you. And then Galley pulls out something long and shiny from his back pocket. It's a dagger.. <gasps> and then with unexpected speed, he throws the knife at Thomas. <gasps> but then as he does so, Thomas sensed movement to his right. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. So the blade windmilled. It's every turn visible to Thomas as if the world had turned to slow motion and yet he's not moved an inch as if it did for the sole purpose of allowing him to feel the terror of seeing such a thing. The knife is flipping over and over, and right at him and he's about to cry out, but he can't because again, he's frozen to the spot apparently, but he's seeing it all in slow motion. And then inexplicably, Chuck was there diving in front of him. <gasps> With a sickening wet thunk, the dagger slammed into Chuck's chest. And then he falls to the floor, his body convulsing, blood pouring from the wound. He fell to the ground. Okay, Chuck's dead. Who could have seen that coming? Like, I don't want to laugh, but I have been saying that for weeks that he was going to die. And then lo and behold, he dead. So he's full on dying. And Thomas is like, Chuck, oh no, Chuck. And he's like, Thomas? And Thomas is like, oh no, somebody get help. <laughs> I I think the creators intentionally threw a knife. Well, manipulated Galley, mind-controlled Galley to throw a knife at someone. I don't think they're going to go then call the Ambos. He's like, come on guys, Chuck's dying. It's Chuck, anyone else but Chuck. Those 20 shanks upstairs that died, like that's fine. But Chuck's the one that mattered. And he's like, not Chuck, not Chuck, anyone but Chuck. And then Chuck's like- Thomas, find my mum. And then he's coughing up blood. And then he goes, tell her. But then he dies. Oh, God. A poor end for Chuck. Uh, you know what? Death finally shut the kid up. <laughs> so, oh, Chuck finally couldn't finish a sentence. I mean, that's something. Um, so, yeah, he's dead. And then something happens within Thomas. As if the whole character of Chuck was built up this relationship was deepened with no real rhyme or reason, just so that he could have this one moment to solidify his own character and his motivation for the next book in the trilogy. It's as if it all's just come together and he snapped. He completely and utterly snapped. So then he's running at Galley, even though I think he knows that Gally isn't in control of his own body at the moment, but he's running at Galley. He's choking him out. And then he starts punching the shit out of Galley, No, like just really slamming into him. There was crunching. There was blood. There were screams. He beat him as he released every ounce of rage he'd ever owned. And then finally Minnow and Nude are like, oh, well, we better get him off him. <laughs> Seems like he was beating him up for a long time, but then they pull him off. Um, and he could feel his hatred pouring out at Gally. Oh, he hates Galley. But then he thinks about Chuck again, so he throws his body onto Chuck's and he's like, Chuck, Chuck. And Chuck's full on dead still. And he says, I promised him, I promised I'd save him, take him home, I promised him. And yeah, you did. And with that foreshadowing, you sealed his fate. This is on you, Thomas. And Teresa's just like, uh huh. (laughs) She's not saying anything, she's like, mm hmm. So then he cried like he'd never wept before. Great, racking sobs echoed throughout the chamber like the sounds of tortured pain. So are the creators who programmed Galley to kill Thomas, they're just like, oh, well, we missed. And they're just like, not updating the code or anything. They're like, well, we won't send in someone else to try and kill him. Chuck's dead. That'll do. What, what, what are their motivations for this? Why did there need to be a final variable? Like, I don't think they did. If it's really a maze trial, which is a test for finding smart people or something. I'm still not clear on it, but if that's the case, why'd they have to throw a knife at the very end there? (laughs) Dumbest book I've ever read. Okay, so we go to chapter 60, and he's talking about Chuck. Oh, how much he loves Chuck. He hated the kid for a good 48 chapters, but in the last 12, (laughs) he really got to like him. He says Chuck had become a symbol for him, (laughs) a beacon that somehow they could make everything right again in the world. Well, guess what? You can't and now his limp body seemed a cold talisman. Not only would those dreams of a hopeful future never come to pass, but that life had never been that way in the first place. Yep, suck shit. Okay, uh, his returning memories were sketchy at best, but not much good floated in the muck. Okay, so he's in a dark place. Um, and, And again, I guess they're all just standing around letting him grieve. And no one else is doing anything. There's no other action happening in this big warehouse filled with people. And then he gets up, he hugs Teresa, everyone's just standing around. And then the woman from Wicked, this time in all caps, she broke the silence and she goes, All things happen for a purpose. Do they? Tell me what they are then. What's the purpose? So then Teresa's telepathically saying to Thomas, What now? And he's like, I don't know. Chuck's dead. What are we going to do? But then there's shouts. There's a commotion outside the entrance from where the woman had just come from. She's panicked and the blood's draining from her face. And she's like, "rot row." And so now Thomas is like, what's going on? And so then several men and women dressed in grimy jeans. Okay. All right. Grimy jeans. Great. And they have guns and they're screaming. It's all a clusterfuck. Guns are going off. Two of the newcomers tackle the wicked woman to the floor. And then they execute her and she's a dead bloody mess. And Thomas is like, whoa, what's going on? Can we all slow down a bit? And so then a man walks up to the gladers and he says, we don't have time to explain. Follow me and run like your life depends on it because it does. And so they're all like, all right, well, we got nothing better to do. So they're like, okay, we trust you kind stranger that just killed someone in front of us. And Thomas is already referring to them and thinking of them as rescuers, although if they are rescuers, how did it come to be that they're rescuing them at this point in time? Like, okay, so let's just say there is a group of people on the outside trying to break out these boys from the maze, and they just coincidentally manage to infiltrate the creators' warehouse or whatever- At the very point that the boys also slid down the slippery slide and got out of the maze. So, I mean, how does that match up? And if the boys did screw up upstairs, were these rescuers just going to like climb up the slide? Or were they going to find the elevator, the box and climb up there? Like what, what were they going to do? What was, what was their next step? So immediately I'm thinking, yeah, this is a stitch up. There's no way that this isn't also an experiment slash trial slash test. Like, obviously. But Thomas is like, woohoo, we did it, we're rescued. (laughs) Ah, so they're running out of the warehouse. They're going up some stairs, down some hallways, up some stairs, down some hallways. And Thomas wanted to ache for Chuck, get excited about their escape and rejoice that Teresa was there with him. But he'd seen too much. There was just only emptiness now, a void. Okay. You might be in a bit of shock because you almost just beat Galley to death. Is Galley dead, by the way? No mention of Galley. I think he was just beaten to a pulp. And then this rescue happened, and, and maybe Galley's still lying there, dying from, from the punches? Or did, it, did Thomas kill Galley? I think Thomas killed Galley, and he's like, oh, well, them's the brakes, Galley. So then they're in the outside, and it's full raining, and then there's a huge bus. And so the guy's like, get on, get on, everybody, get on the bus. And they all just do it. Like these 21 young people were just subjects in a maze for two years. They've been tortured and experimented on. And they're just so trusting of the first person to come along. They're like, (laughs) woohoo, we're free. (laughs) So stupid. And while everyone's loading up onto the bus, Thomas notes that the rain that's falling down is warm, hot, and had a weird thickness to it. Yuck. Oh, this Oh, that's the grossest thing I've ever read. But as he's walking up the steps to the bus door, someone jumps out and pulls him away. And it's this woman, and she's got greasy hair, and a a horrible smell fills his nostrils like eggs and milk gone rotten. And so then she's got a flashlight and she says, gonna save us all, gonna save us all from the flare. And then she laughs and then she's like coughing and then she's laughing and coughing at the same time. And then one of the rescuers, quote marks, pulls her off of Thomas. And then this woman, she's kicking and screaming and she says, don't believe a word they say, gonna save us from the flare you are. And the guy's like, Hey, you stand back or I'm going to shoot you dead, okay? And then he says, Thomas, get on the bus. Don't listen to the crazy lady. Even though she's clearly talking sense, get on the bus. And Thomas is like, oh, that was terrifying. He was just telling us he's in a void of no emotions. But now he's like, oh my God, I'm terrified. I'm shook. I'm shooketh. So then they get on the bus. (laughs) I'm getting whiplash from this chapter. Like so much is happening. And yet he's not reacting to anything that's happening because now he's on the bus. Again, not feeling anything. He's like, I don't even care. I don't feel any relief at escaping the maze. I'm just thinking about Chuck. Well, so are you thinking about Chuck or are you not? Because he was saying he was in a void. He wasn't even thinking, but now he's thinking. And now he's thinking about Chuck. And and then he's like, but I don't feel anything. But he's also feeling sadness and relief. Thomas, as always, is a contradiction. And then they start driving away in the bus. (laughs) Easy as that. They must be thinking, this is the easiest escape ever. And then the crazy lady slash not crazy lady, she's getting up and she's trying to wave down the bus and she's screaming. And she's also got sores all over her face. And Thomas is like, wait, wait. But the bus driver's like, fuck that. And just drives off. Oh, wait, no, she's in front of the bus. And Thomas is like, oh God, that's even worse. So he's screaming, wait, because he can see that she's now, In front of the bus and the bus driver's like, don't give a shit and slams on the accelerator, rolls over the woman's body like a little dung dung and then a second dung dung as the back wheels run over her. And so then her and Thomas are like, oh, my God, we just ran over that bitch. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: And then the, the bus just keeps driving. So that should be your, your second red flag, perhaps, that the bus just drove over a living human being. Um, a cold-blooded murder, really. So, I'm... but yeah, they're our rescuers. Woohoo! And that was the end of the chapter. So, chapter sixty-one. It says the next hour or so was a blur of sights and sounds for Thomas. He sounds like he's on one of those city buses that tour around. You know, there's double-decker buses, and you have a little radio thing, and they're like, on your left is this thing, and then on your right is blah blah. <laughs> he's full having a sightseeing tour of the city. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, but it's raining, so we can't see much. Ah, oh, get a refund then, Thomas. But at one point, he sees a group of people just like that woman that they just ran over. Their clothes all ratty, sores on their faces, and they pound the side of the bus as if they want to get on. But the bus never slowed down. Hopefully it doesn't run half of them over, but the bus never slowed down. So then he says to the woman sitting across from them in the aisle, one of their rescuers, he's like, hey, what's going on? (laughs) After this big long bus ride, he's like, actually, I should probably ask. And she goes, it's a long story. And her dark eyes were full of sorrow. (laughs) Sure. And so Teresa, she's like, yeah, okay. It, It could very well be a long story, but could you start? Like, we've just spent two years in a fucking maze. I mean, she's spent like three days, but I mean- can you, can you give us a bit of intel, doll? Like you don't have to sit in silence, surely. And so then she says, it'll take a while before you get your memories back, if ever. We're not scientists. We have no idea what they did to you or how they did it. And yet you do know that they've done something. Um, I don't know wh- how you know what you know. And she says, it started with the sun flares. And Teresa and Thomas are like, whoa, flares? We've heard about that. She says, the sun flares couldn't have been predicted. Sun flares are normal, but these were unprecedented, massive spiking higher and higher. And once they were noticed, it was only minutes before their heat slammed into earth. Our satellites were burned out. Thousands died instantly. Millions within days, countless miles became wastelands and then came the sickness. Okay, all right, yeah, standard. As the ecosystem fell apart, it became impossible to control the sickness even to keep it in South America. Okay. So it came from South America or they're in South America. I don't know. The jungles were gone, but the insects weren't. Oh, so, oh, so the insects spread the sickness. Okay. People call it the flare now. Um, All right. Only the richest can be treated. No one can be cured unless the rumors from the Andes are true. All right. Okay. Some fun little tidbits there. And so then horror grew in Thomas's heart. So he is feeling an emotion now. That's good to know. And she says, as for you, all of you, you were just a few of the millions who are orphaned. They tested thousands, chose you for the big one, the ultimate test. Uh, okay. Everything you lived through was calculated and thought through. Was it? <laughs> Catalysts to study your reactions, your brain waves, your thoughts all in an attempt to find those capable of helping us find a way to beat the flare. All right, let's unpack that for a minute. Everything that they did was, was calculated and thought through to see how they'd react. And yet, only about six of the boys ever went into the maze. The rest of them just lived farming and Frypan was just cooking bacon every day. Uh, were, they, were they, was he part of the experiment? Were they looking into him? Like, I don't know. That Winston guy who was keeper of Bloodhouse, were they monitoring him to see how he reacted to everyday tasks? (sighs) Surely not. Okay, and then it was all to find those capable of helping us find a way to beat the flare. How are you gonna beat the flare since it's a thing that, that happened in the past and now you've just got a disease on your hands? How is putting a few boys in a maze gonna help that? I am struggling to find the link there, doll. She says most of the physical effects are caused by something else. First, the delusions start. Then animal instincts begin to overpower the human ones. Finally, it consumes them, destroys their humanity. It's all in the brain. The flare lives in their brains. It's an awful thing. Better to die than catch it. Okay, what do you need them for? The scientists who put the boys in the maze are already messing with people's minds, so oh, it doesn't make sense. So then she says we won't let them do this to children. Well you have. We've sworn our lives to fighting wicked. We can't lose our humanity no matter the end result. And yet they've been in there for two years. The test has been done. They pretty much escaped on their own, so I don't I don't know how good you are. She says you'll learn more in time. We live far in the north. We're separated from the Andes by thousands of miles. They call it the Scorch. It's what lies between here and there. Hey, Do you have to rename everything? Fucking James Dashner. It's centered mainly around what they used to call the equator. Oh, they used to call it the equator, but I'm still going to refer to it as the equator because of the readers of this book. They'll be able to identify with what the equator is. So even though no one calls it the equator, I'm going to explain to you that it's called the equator, even though you don't know what the equator is because you're part of the society that doesn't use the phrase equator. But I'm just going to say equator for the person who's reading this book. Stupid book. She says, we're trying to cross that land, the equator, wink, wink, to find the cure. But until then we'll fight wicked and stop the experiments and tests. Doesn't make any sense, Dahl. And I don't think you're telling the truth. I think you're telling porcupines because this is all bullshit. And so then Thomas and Teresa share a look and like they're raising their eyebrows at each other. And then they remember that they can talk telepathically. Like she's full on shaking her head and I'm like, "Just, just talk to each other. And she says, finally, she goes, I'm too tired to think about it. Let's just be safe for now. And he says, maybe we are safe. Maybe we are. Of course you're not. Because also she wrote Wicked is good on her arm instead of that piece of paper that was next to her when she woke up. She wrote it on her arm and she clung to that knowing that it was the truth. And so now they've got this chickadee on the bus saying, oh, Wicked's terrible. Wicked is so wicked. So wouldn't you immediately distrust that person? But they're like, okay, great, we're saved. So then she falls asleep and he's sitting on the bus thinking, wow, flare, sickness, experiment, scorch, wicked. This sounds like it's gonna be a great sequel. Well, guess what, Thomas? I'm not gonna fucking read it. But then of course, his thoughts kept returning to one thing, Chuck. Oh, Chuck, who could have ever foreseen that you would die? And then two hours later, the bus stopped. They're at a nondescript building with several rows of windows. Okay. So the woman and the other rescuers shuffled the 19 boys and one girl through the front door and up a flight of stairs into a huge dormitory with a series of bunk beds. Oh, everything's all prepared for them. What a dink! He says, seeing all the beds and the dresses all made up and fresh, the sense of normalcy was almost overwhelming. It's too good to be true. Well maybe it is. And Minnow says I've been shucked and gone to heaven. And then Thomas found it hard to feel joy because you know, Chuck died. But then he's like, "Hmm, but I am kind of happy to be here. It's kind of nice." So we get no red flags that this building in a post-apocalyptic world is just ready to house 20 kids, just just ready on the off chance that there'd be some sort of big rescue mission. I mean, I know they were theoretically planning the rescue mission, but it seems a bit ridiculous. So the bus driving leader left the Gladers in the hands of a small staff. Nine or ten men and women. Okay. Which is it? Nine or ten men or women dressed in pressed black pants and white shirts, their hair immaculate, their faces and hands clean. They were smiling. Okay. This sounds sus. Sus. Isn't this meant to be a ragtag underground group of rebels? And it sounds like a bloody day spa. And Thomas is like, oh, despite everything, despite all the woman on the bus had told us, Thomas felt safe for the first time since coming out of the box. What? And so then beds were assigned, clothes and bathroom things were passed out, dinner was served, it was pizza. I mean, it can't be that bad of an apocalypse if the pizza still exists. (sighs) Doesn't sound too bad. Uh, And he says the mood of contentment and relief around him was palpable. You you guys are all dummies if you think you're not still in an experiment. And then after eating, no one argued when they were told it was time for bed. When they were told it was time for bed. Certainly not Thomas. He felt as if he could sleep for a month. And that's the end of the chapter. Okay, chapter 62. He's sharing a bunk bed with Minnow. Mm. Newton Frypan are also in their room. So they're the core four now. Um, Teresa has been pushed off into her own separate room and they shuffled her away before they could even say goodbye. Another red flag. And Thomas missed her desperately three seconds after she was gone. Okay, mate, we'll just talk to her telepathically then. Like, calm down. And so then Minnow says, hey, Thomas. And he's like, yeah. And he goes, what do you think happened to the Gladers who stayed behind? Oh yeah, I forgot about the other Gladers who just stayed in the Glade. Was this rescue group not going to rescue them? (laughs) Not a care in the world for those guys. And Minnow says, do you think we're safe with these people? And Thomas goes, yeah, yeah, I think we are. Oh God, never trust your gut. So then Thomas ignores the boys in his room and he starts talking telepathically to Teresa and he's like, how's your room? And she's like, yeah, it's good. Blah, 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 blah. He says that Minnow's farted three times in the last minute. Okay, that's good to know. Um, And then she's like, sorry about Chuck. Oh yeah, he's already cracking jokes. (laughs) Cracking jokes about Minnow farting. (laughs) It goes from desperate grief to Minnow's farting again, gross. And then back to, oh yeah, Chuck died. Because as soon as she said, sorry about Chuck, he felt a sharp pang and he sank deeper into the misery of the night. Misery of the night, you were just cracking jokes about Minnow farting. And you were talking about how good it was to have pizza for dinner. Oh, it's been a miserable night. You've been living it up. And then he thinks about Chuck, and he thinks he could be so annoying. Oh, but it feels like I lost a brother. Why? Why do you have to preface it with he was annoying? And so then he starts to go on about being like, oh, I promised Chuck. And she goes, quit it. She goes, look, stop with the promise stuff. Half of us made it. We would have all died if we'd stayed in the maze. Get over it. And he goes, but Chuck didn't make it. And she says, he died saving you he made the choice himself, just don't ever waste it. And so then he's like, oh, okay. And then I guess he's moved on from the misery of thinking about Chuck, because then he says, Teresa, I want to remember you. Remember us, you know, from before. And she's like, yeah, me too. And he's like, seems like we were, and he doesn't know how to say it, but he's practically saying like, seems like we were boyfriend and girlfriend. Can we like park Chuck? Just put Chuck aside for a minute. And can we define our own relationship? And so then they're just like, oh, okay, well, um, good night then. God, they have great chats. <laughs> they have such great chats. So then Thomas rolls over. Um, okay, and then he's glad no one could see the look that had settled across his face. It wasn't a smile exactly. Not quite a happy expression, but almost. So he's, he's happy now. His best friend just got murdered today as well as a bunch of other people who died. Um, And he's he's smiling because his girlfriend that's not his girlfriend alluded to the fact that they might've been boyfriend-girlfriend. And that's the end of the book, except we do get an epilogue. Okay. And so this one's exciting. It's like a little bit of a diary note. And so it says, Wicked Memorandum, date 232-127. Don't know what that means. Time, 10.45 p.m. To my associates from Ava Page, Chancellor, re-thoughts on May's trials, group A. Oh, group A, there's your first little like, what? Moment. Um, And so then she says in this email, by any reckoning, I think we'd all agree that the trials were a success. (laughs) Would we? 20 survivors all well qualified for our planned endeavour. The responses to the variables were satisfactory and encouraging. Were they? The boy's murder and the rescue, in quote marks, proved to be a valuable finale. And yet it wasn't an interesting finale. I'll tell you that, Miss Ava Page. Chancellor Ava Page. Jeez Louise. You think it was great? I thought it was shit. So she says we needed to shock their systems to see their responses. Mm, yep. Honestly, I'm amazed that in the end, despite everything, we were able to collect such a large population of kids that just never gave up. She says, we are all aware of what's at stake. I, for one, am encouraged. Remember what the girl wrote on her arm before losing her memory? Uh, Okay. Wicked is good. So she's like, yep, we all remember that. So did did they have cameras in the homestead? Did they see that? Was the homestead like a big brother type mansion? Probably. They probably did have cameras hidden everywhere and the boys never found it. Anyway, so they saw that moment. Um, And she's like, yep, Wicked's good. The mission of Wicked is to serve and preserve humanity no matter the cost. We're good, guys. So clearly they're Wicked and they're they're still in an experiment. She says, please respond with your own reactions. The subjects will be allowed one full night's sleep before stage two implementation. Group B's trial results were also most extraordinary. I need time to process the data, but we can touch on it in the morning until tomorrow, then. What, what? Until tomorrow, then. What an odd way to end an email. Until tomorrow, comma, then. Nah, fuck that. You know what? Kind regards or yours sincerely would be great. Until tomorrow, then. (laughs) What a jaunty way to end an email talking about an experiment. So yes, okay, my hunch was correct. They're still in the experiment. And you know what? All power to wicked. Keep those boys in that experiment because I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. That's the end of book one. That's the end of book all of them because I'm not reading any more of the stupid maze runner. Worse than Twilight, worse than Fifty Shades. I would rather read Fifty Shades again than read this book. It wasn't entertaining. I didn't like it. None of it made sense. You're telling me the whole trial was just to see what boys didn't give up? Then why did they need to be super smart? Why, Why did you send in help? The whole thing was like, oh, they never gave up trying to solve the maze, even though there was no solution. And yet there was a solution. Well, that, that never made sense to me. Oh, it's the end of the book. I, th- I think I will watch the movie next week. I'm still not committing to it, but I think we will. Um, oh, All right. But until then, let's shake it off because we finished. We finished the book. Oh, ah. Okay. And then we're heading back into Fifty Shades Land after this. And I'm so excited to then hate that book With stupid E.L. James's stupid grammar Alright Maybe I'll I'll miss this Who knows, we'll see Okay, bye Send your burning thoughts, frustrations and grievances On this latest chapter of this shitty book To breakingdownpod at gmail.com Or on Twitter at podbreakingdown And Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks